Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Hello and welcome to Script to Screen. I'm your host Gideon and joining me in the booth, the basement, today is Kieran. Hello. That took you long are, enough. Okay, are we, I, I thought and you were just joking. Adam. Hello. You think this is a joke? Leave. Hello, welcome to Script to Screen. I mean, it was kind of a joke. You did say Script to Screen. I did not say Script yeah, to Screen. Go back and listen to it. Did I really? It, it doesn't matter. All right. Today, though, we're going to be doing a bonus podcast episode continuing our series Quarantined with Harry Potter. This is going to be part three of four total parts uh, talking about uh, both Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix and Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. So let's get it started right off with uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Today, I think what we're going to do, actually, uh, do something a little bit different. We're going to start with the scores uh, right away and pepper our initial thoughts uh, in there as we go. So let's start with the first category on the rubric, first impression. How do we feel about this movie? We're talking about Order of the Phoenix. Yes, Order, Order of, the Phoenix. of the Phoenix. Well, yeah, I mean, we can do a little bit of a synopsis before we get into the into the scores themselves i suppose just to great idea for a little bit of a refresher um harry potter and the order of the phoenix is basically the one where sirius black dies right I mean, is that how you're describing the whole movie no it's the one about fake news <laughs> i agree it's it's the one about fake news yes, that's the one about fake news um so basically it's the fifth year at hogwarts so fifth in the series fifth year at hogwarts um, and Harry comes back, and uh, his, after learning that Voldemort has returned in the Goblet of Fire, he's trying to tell everybody, hey guys, Voldemort's back, we should probably do something about this. And everyone's like, nah, including the Ministry of Magic. So basically, fake news is being spread right. throughout the whole movie. Uh, and so then he kind of has to take things into his own hands and create Dumbledore's army to fight back against this monstrosity known as fake news and umbridge and well, i mean umbridge is the one spreading the fake news but yeah well technically rita skeeter is but is she i mean she's not even she's really... not part of this movie i guess a wee bit she is a wee bit she's yeah, a wee a bit, wee bit. Uh, that's not how you say it. do it do it do it do that accent dad oh she scored it a wee bit a wee bit <laughs> yeah like that uh, yeah, so, I mean, first impression, overall, how do you guys feel about this movie? Is it good? Is it bad? Um. Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Are there, you know, score out of 10 at the end of your thoughts? Yeah, my first impression is that it kind of stands right in the middle of all the, uh, movies that we've watched so far. So, uh, about an 8. Yeah, I like this movie also a lot. The, I think this is probably my second or third time watching this. Oh, I've and, seen it more than that. You've got to have seen it more than that. I don't think so. Maybe four, but that's at most. But yeah, I like this actually almost a surprising amount. I just, I don't know, yeah. It's really solid. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's the longest book uh, compacted into basically the shortest on a screen time. It's not the shortest movie, but I think the shortest movie is uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2, but I mean, that's half of a full book, so it's less pages condensed into more time. Uh, so really this is the sh- shortest, uh, Harry Potter movie, but, uh, they condense it very effectively compared to Goblet of Fire. Uh, I actually start- after watching Goblet of Fire, I started reading Goblet of Fire because I felt like I missed so much and it, and you really do. They, they, there's stuff in there, uh, they cut out the house elf plot entirely, which makes sense for a movie, but it just feels... There's so much, like, the way the exposition is delivered through the house elves and at the Quidditch World Cup, uh, it doesn't work in the movie because they cut out so much of the things that make it interesting exposition and it becomes uninteresting exposition. Um, but here, somehow they're able to make it overall uh, intriguing in the way that they're dealing with 
the expositional parts of this. Yeah, it seems pretty cohesive. But, I mean, I I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, this is probably actually one of my favorite Harry Potter movies. I think it's, like, you get everything that you want in a short amount of time. Uh, it's got a very clear through line, like we said, with the fake news. With the it's 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 really a movie about how information uh, exists within a society and the way that it is delivered and consumed, uh, and it's obviously done through the wizarding world and kind of how wizards might uh, interact with that differently than people would. But it still is the same. You can still extrapolate that into and understand it through a, a regular human uh, lens, which is what all these movies are doing. But this movie specifically dealing with that in like newspapers and stuff and that's why they have all these montages of the daily profit uh the newspaper delivering information and news and it's also about government corruption as that relates to news um so you've got fudge messing stuff up and he's like nah it's, uh Voldemort's not back it's just go on with your lives and then obviously at the end he's like oh crap I can't really ignore this any longer because he literally sees Voldemort at the end um and also well speaking of the end that fight between Voldemort and Dumbledore is pretty sweet. Um, probably one of the best, probably the best magic fight that we get in anything because it's the, they're both at the top of their game. It's not just like flick your wand and some like light burst. It's like yeah, actual yeah, yeah. stuff is happening, like fire and water and lightning and glass. Like There's actual things in the real world that are interacting with each other. So we're actually getting to see right. things happening with the magic rather than people flicking their wands and you're not exactly sure what's going on. Um, that whole fight in the ministry is pretty great. Uh, it gets kind of Empire Strikes Backy right before that, <laughs> with Harry misunderstanding these visions and then being tricked <laughs> into going to uh, interact with a with his villain counterpart. Uh, so I'm pretty sure she cribbed that strike from. I mean, I mean that's probably a, something that's shown up even before Empire Strikes Back, but that's just what I think of. When I go back to that, but I mean, I don't know. I I really like this movie. Uh, it's probably third or fourth from Harry Potter total, so probably <clears throat> at this point towards the top of what we've seen. Um, it might be better than Howl's Deathly House Part Two. I'm not sure. We'll have to see when we get there. I don't really know how well my memory of that movie uh, holds up. I'm if I had to say right now what I would put Deathly House Part Two at, it would be an eight or a nine. And if I had to say right now what I'd put Order of the Phoenix at, it would be a seven or an eight. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I I, I really don't know. What you what you what was your score for this? Dad? Mine was eight. Kieran, what's your score? My score was eight. Also, um, yeah. I mean, I want to give it an eight, but I feel like it's not as good as what we're gonna get to next. In it doesn't Half matter. You're scoring this. Yeah, I know. Movie. Um. Eight. I'll just give it an eight. I don't even care. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm giving it a seven. I lied. How dare you? Yeah, I know. You I'm must a, not tell lies. You must not. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I think eight is or seven is is fair enough. Uh, so that's my score for first impression. What do you guys got for story? Let's talk about that a little bit. <sighs> um, <clears throat> for story. You know the interesting thing about this is like. I mean, does it really even have, like, an actual... Like, I know it has a story, but, like... Yes, move, Kieran. It's, it, no, it's a I know, that has but a story, it's, in, it's interesting because, like, like the whole movie, we're just... Hang, like, it's more hanging out with Harry and friends than the rest of them are because we're just looking at the... at Umbridge ruining the whole school through, through that, and... Yeah, and then we go to uh, the ministry, and that's foreshadowed by all of Harry's dreams. Um, so for uh, um, story, I'll give it an eight. Eight from Kieran. Eight from myself. And I'm I'm gonna give it a seven for story, and I think what's not as much interest. The story itself is not to me all that interesting i don't know that it really it doesn't drive the harry potter narrative forward maybe as much as some of the other um 
years do. Yeah, but it does it in a more interesting <clears throat> way. You know what I mean? Like it does. Like it's not saying like like Harry Potter four Voldemort comes back, right? But I think this one's almost more interesting because it's about the the concept of Voldemort coming back as it relates to the Wizarding World. So the Wizarding World is dealing with the idea of whether or not Voldemort may be back or not. And I think that's an integral step that you could easily look past, but sh- but they don't. And they, and they take a whole year to grapple with that idea of them realizing that Voldemort is back and they have to deal with that now. Well, because they don't want to, but then they realize that they have to, and it's like in it's on inescapable. And I feel like that's a really easy step that you could skip 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 over, but because they're dealing with such a huge scope of the entire wizarding world, I think that's actually a really important step in the in the Harry Potter narrative. I actually agree with you wholeheartedly. I the, the more interesting part to me, however, in this is actually the characters, and actually, well, I don't know, maybe every single one of these years has has characters that are really intriguing to me. Um, in the last year, it was Cedric Diggory, who is one of my uh, most beloved characters in this series. And this year, it is um, Dolores Umbridge, who is probably one of the most despised characters, and like even maybe more than, more so than Voldemort in some mm. ways. Despised. Yeah. You in love this to series. hate her more than you hate love to hate Voldemort, and honestly. And the reason why she's an interesting character is because, um, because. Because it's so true to life, there are there's these there are these people out there who um, and and they oftentimes are after power for whatever reason or, or not um, that they seem like they ought to be just innocuous or maybe they even are acting like they're out for your good, but they end up doing great harm either to individuals or to groups or to society as a whole. And um, and that's what she represents in this story. Let's just put it this way. Umbridge is just the worst. She's horrible. Everything she does is like makes you cringe. Like well, it's express she, uh, that's one thing that this movie does actually really well and why I like it so much is because the the Umbridge stuff and that sort of montage stuff towards the beginning uh, and it's not necessarily a montage, but it's a lot of uh, the first half is a lot of interacting with Umbridge or like the first not the first half, the first the first, the second half of the first half is pretty much entirely inter- interacting with Umbridge. And it's like, it creates this visceral expression and you like, where we're all like shouting at the screen, stop, 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 you idiot. This is so annoying. Stop, please. Right. Or even, even yeah, maybe the first half of the second half and then the first half, or the second half of the first half and then the first half of the second half. So the middle half. No. Yeah. The middle half... Is there such a thing as a middle half? The second and third quarters. Yes, that se- that seems more accurate. Yeah. Although, yeah, I mean... She I represents... Know. It's really more the... It's really more the first... It's the f- second act is what it is. It's the well, then just say second act. I don't know why. Because I was thinking it was only in the first half, but then I realized it was in the second half also. So the second act is probably where she... It's, she drives the second act is what happens, basically. And that's interesting because... Normally, a second act is where your movie kind of loses steam and stuff, um, and so your first act is where you get all your introduction and you get you you understand the characters and the story. And the third act is where all the the climactic action happens. And so, but the second act is where a story could typically lose steam and not have uh, the the momentum. But then she you put Umbridge in the middle of it and she drives the entire second act and it makes it work as well as the way it does. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff with Dumbledore is not fleshed out as well as it is in the book, I don't think. Um, it's kind of confusing as to what's going on there yeah, with him and that, Harry. That also. Uh, like, it's interesting how that relation, how that relationship exists here, but it's like because it is specifically cold and Dumbledore is intentionally being uh, almost... Distant, D- yeah, intentionally distant to Harry. It's kind of confusing, and you don't necessarily get a, a. It's it's a it's quickly explained by Dumbledore at the end with like a couple sentences. Is it actually explained? Yeah, he's like, I wanted to. I figured if what he says is if he says to Harry, if I could be distant from you, I figured it would protect you from Voldemort better because then Voldemort wouldn't have access to me or something like that. Correct. Is that what he said in the movie? Yes. Voldem- yeah, he, yeah, he says Voldemort would have less incentive to go after you if oh. you didn't have a connect- connection to me, okay. which kind of makes sense, but not really. I feel like I remember that being 
uh, fleshed out better in the book. And like Harry's whole anger problem, that works because it's like it's drawing a comparison between him and Voldemort. Uh, but I feel like that's also more interesting in the next movie because I think honestly Draco is a better foil for Harry than Voldemort is in a lot of ways. Um, although I mean, this this movie is much more Voldemort centric than Six is, than Half Blood Prince is. Uh, and I'm not sure which of those is a better thing. I think I, I think they both have their strengths and weaknesses, but I think they're both uh, definitely interesting. I think this is like an eight for story for me overall. I mean, it's not quite the caliber of like, because there is some, just by the fact that it's such a huge book that gets condensed down so much, there is some stuff that you lose and some stuff that you don't quite understand and you're not quite on board with. But overall, the broad strokes of it are communicated very efficiently and, and work very well. Uh, Dad, what's your score for for this? For the story? Yeah. Uh, seven. Why? I just I already told you. Okay. Did you say seven? Yeah, I did. I just forgot to write it down. All right. Um, acting is our next category. Anything? I I I would just say that we have most of the same actors in this case. Um, Ron's getting a little bit better still, but they still want to make him look like Danny Bonaducci. And um, <clears throat> uh, we get the only th- thing that's really added is Dolores Umbridge. Um, and she's she's fine. She's good. Um, makes me creeped out every time. And that's good because it matched what I read in the book. So, seven. Yeah. There's this one line at the very beginning that always stands out to me as very poorly delivered when... When Nymphador, when Mad Eye is like Nymphadora, he calls her that, and then she's like, "Don't call me Nymphadora," and it's like cringe every time. It's like this is such a poorly delivered line. She's trying. She, it's like so obviously. I don't. I don't know why that that stands out to me. Did I that, remember the line, but it didn't stick out to me. Yeah, I was like, "Don't." I. I don't know why. I think I, just, I even remember you pointing that out during the movie. Did I really? I think you did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know why. It just sounds so weird to me. Like, just so like, why would some, like it's such it's so obviously trying to use one line to flesh her out as a character because we don't know anything about her except for that line. And so in the book, uh, you get, you and get, we know that she's clumsy. But you don't really get anything else about her throughout the because entire movie. Because she trips over, other, yeah, other than her being like a shape or face shifter thing. Yeah, which is just which you don't know really in the movie because it feels like in the movie anybody could be doing that. Whereas in the book, you know that that's right. a specific ability yeah. that she has. Well, I I think this movie in particular assumes that you know a lot. Um, it 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 allows you to. It doesn't explain everything for you, and that's fine. It, it's assuming some things, and it's probably assuming things that if you don't know them, it's not going to completely mess up your experience. So I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's just one lot, poor line delivery, but she's not really, Nymphador is not really a huge uh, issue for the movie as a whole. She's not doing anything particularly uh, harmful because right. she's not in it. She's in like much. the first. 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, Sirius, again, is great. Gary Oldman. Uh, there's a couple uh, ticks that he adds, like when he winks at Harry, like his sort of half wink thing that he no, does. I like that. Always, yeah, I always love that so much. Um, or like at the end when he's when they're when they're battling with uh, Lucius, him and Harry, and Harry like hits Lucius, and then he Lucius? turns to him. Yeah. Lucius? L- yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, and then he turns to Harry, and he's like, nice one, James. And it's like, oh, that's so nice. That he that he's like it's heartwarming. Goes, it's, he goes back to no, it's it's not. It's sad. Yes, it it's is. like okay, sad it's like he's yeah. gonna die in like two seconds. Except we don't know. You don't know that. Yeah, you do. Going well, back, we you do. do. Right, that's what I'm saying. So like, it's looking back on it, it's sad. Yeah, he I, dies like right after that too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He dies like he says basically two seconds after. He's like nice oh, one, James, yeah. and then Bellatrix shows up. Yeah, I don't like the way that, I don't like the way that Sirius dies in this movie. It's so fast. It's, well, it's fast and but like I think that's Bellatrix. Yeah, I know, but Bellatrix just comes out of nowhere and is like Avada Kedavra, and he dies. I don't think she says Avada Kedavra in the book. No, because they're dueling for like a long time, which makes them like equals in a way. And then every while well, everybody else has been round up and no, captured. I think doesn't he fall through the veil? Yeah, it's, not, it's an I don't accident. Th- I think I don't think it's because of the I don't think it's because of Avada Kedavra. I think he literally falls Correct. through the veil. And in the in the book. In the yeah, in the book. Well, yeah, exactly. Which. Yeah, I like that better too. But well, here, then he, it really is Harry's fault, even worse. 
Yeah. In the book. But it's just like it was so quick and like maybe that maybe that's like just like just shocks everyone faster, I guess. I think in the story of the book I felt a little bit more like um like like Sirius dies as and it's Harry's fault and not really they don't really gain any ground as a result of that, whereas in the movie it feels like at least they're at least they're in a skirmish with the enemy and maybe they gain a little bit of ground in the battle um yeah as a result of Sirius I think that's death. true yeah there it's just kind of like they in the in the book it feels like the whole thing was pointless like Correct. they they that's get what there I'm and it, yep. they get there and Sirius dies and that's all that happens they don't gain anything more than here except for maybe Harry except learns for, a lesson well yeah. i mean i mean in the book obviously Voldemort is revealed to the world as as being there, so there there is one thing that they there's get that, the book. but was it really worth that? I don't yeah, know. it was worth that because that's kind of like the that's a huge turning point for the series. Yeah. It's almost as it's almost uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, my score for acting is probably also a seven. I mean, I don't know if this would compare towards the other uh, the other what I my scores for the other movies, but. I don't know. I don't feel like I can go any higher than a seven. I don't think it earns an eight in this category. Uh, mm. But I feel like seven is accurate here. And what do you got for acting? Uh, for acting, uh, I'm going to stay at an eight. Because if only for Umbridge, Umbridge, like, if anybody can make me hate someone that badly. Like, it's worse than Voldemort. Like, yeah, Voldemort just like he's 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 insane. He's messed like, up. He's he a normal he's a normal everyone. baddie, but like she's a she's different like, yeah, she's kind like, of baddie. Uh, yeah. Um look and feel. Luke Once again, I'm just sticking with middle of the road on this one. Although um yeah, when we when we go to the next one, I think the next one I I noticed a, a different There's level of look and feel so, on the next movie. It's so great. I feel like um, half so, Blood Prince. So is I'm like gonna give this one a seven. Yeah. To give a little room to go up on Half Blood Prince. <laughs> um, I think the score here is imp- I listened to both these scores after the fact. Um, or it's not sorry. So sorry. I listened to Order of the Phoenix and Goblet of Fire scores. Well, that's not fair. Um. Order of the Phoenix has a much improved score over Goblet of Fire. Like what Goblet of Fire is doing with the, uh, like the Leprechaun music and then the Bobatons music and then the Durmstrang music is all so obvious. It's like the most, it's it's very, on the nose, as far as what those as like themes for those characters. It's like the don't, 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 yeah. Dun. Like it's just it's not very feels very nineteen thirties. Well no, it's just it's just on the nose. It's it doesn't it doesn't create a feeling, it creates and it's like, oh that's what this is. Whereas in 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 Order of the Phoenix they got the that part that little theme that runs throughout it is Yeah, I didn't notice that. It's like a it's like a it's the we're happy at Hogwarts kind of thing. Um and then, and then it's kind of that runs that cl- that that musical theme clashes with Umbridge's theme, and those two kind of at points come together and weave in and out of each other, um, which I think is a lot more interesting than what we got out of Goblet Fire. Okay. So I think, especially um, like the music during the, all the Umbridge parts is spot on because it's it is those two things working together. Other than that, it's not like towards the end. I, can't, I there's nothing that I really noticed out of that. Um, but as far as the way, the way this movie looks. Again, it's it's gonna look way better com- in Half Blood Prince. This movie does not even compare even close to Half Blood Prince. Um, I think maybe that's David Yates who directed both. This is his first movie in the Harry Potter universe, um, and I think he evolves as a director in uh, Half Blood Prince as opposed to here, where he is doing some interesting visual choices, like the shaky cam stuff with uh, whenever somebody's like running, like Harry and and Dudley running at the very beginning. When they're running away from the defenders and stuff, he adds this really interesting shaky cam that's that's still clear to understand what's going on. So, but it still adds a sense of urgency, and I and that shaky cam is something that's difficult to work with, um, but it works there because I think he still makes it. You can still see them and what they're doing, but you still have like the I don't know how they how he did that actually, but it works. Um, and so there's one interesting visual thing that he does uh, differently. Other than that, I can't really think of much that's 
done here are intentional choices as separated from Goblet of Fire. So I'm going to also give this a 7. Because um, it doesn't look as good as like the first two. The first two have this very practical, old-school feel to them that gives a sense of that world, and that fits with the way those two first stories are told. Um, and obviously 3 is above the rest of them. It probably looks as good as Goblet of Fire. So I don't know what I gave Goblet of Fire. So I should probably give it whatever I gave Goblet of Fire. Well, Goblet of Fire, I would have said well, the same you're score. thinking about that. Yeah, I gave Goblet of Fire a 7, so I'm going to give this a 7 also. I think that I will give this movie a 7 also. I have one thing to point out. The giant Grop, I yeah, did not he, think he that he that looked very no. good. I feel he, like they could have... Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know how they would have done that. Force it, perspective. I don't know why they could, I don't know yeah. they could do force perspective with something that huge. I mean, how'd they, well, do, well, how'd they do, like, Here's another issue how'd they do, like, I had with Grop and... and, and um, what's the Rupert character? Rupert? Ron? No, the half-giant. Hagrid? Hagrid? Rupius Hagrid. That's what I was Rubius? thinking. Rupert. Uh, Rupert Grint is the name of the guy that, that plays Ron. So that's oh, why okay. I got confused. Got it. Um, yeah, no, Hagrid. That's the one I was trying to think of. Um... How is how is he a half giant? But he's like a he's like an eighth the size of Grop. What's up with that? Yeah, because number one, and number two, they have the same mom who was a full size giant. Yeah, yeah. I don't so that. if that's how the does... case, if that's how big those giants are, then I don't know how how did they mate? <laughs> that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, um, that, let's let that let's, pass. Let's not think about that actually. Um, I was just thinking, how do they, how like, how do they do Treebeard? But Treebeard's not actually a person. But I feel like he looked better than Grop did. Oh, way better. So that must. I think he was at least partially. I think he was basically like a thing that they built and they kind of just hung out on. The yeah, but also it. it's it's not supposed to look like a person, so that made a difference. Right, that's what I'm saying. Well. Uh, yeah. So I mean, whatever. Um, effect. Effect. Um. For Order effect of the Phoenix. for Order of the Phoenix. Oh, yeah. I I think this one's actually pretty decent. Um, I think mainly in the Umbridge parts, but there's the serious parts, and then there's the Order of the Phoenix parts. There's the creature part. Uh, creature is definitely a creep. Um, so so I think effect of this one is um, is good. It makes you makes you feel these characters fairly well. And um, the chill I say, parts. I say eight. Yeah, I think the Cho part has an active <laughs> negative uh, <laughs> effect on this. Like she, her, the stuff with her oh. um, and Harry is kind of weird and forced. Um, I mean, well, no, I suppose it's not because you I do don't get. Know, that's how teenagers get, are, isn't it? No, I'm I'm talking about the part where she, like that part's fine. It it is a little too much. I feel like. Or they kiss. Yeah, when they kiss, it's just a little bit over the top. I'm not saying that's not how teenagers are. I'm just saying that that's the too much for this particular movie um but i'm i'm more specifically talking about the stuff where she kind of betrays them uh and it's supposed to be played as this huge betrayal but it doesn't later it's said that she is like she that, that they that umbridge used truth serum on yeah. her which, it almost feels like a throwaway though the whole like thing the whole, just feels like, yeah, yeah, like if true. she used truth so serum on her what she could have used truth serum on any of the people in the order of the in the in dumbledore's army yeah. not order of the phoenix don't in dumbledore's army so like I don't really know exactly what's going on there. It would have because it, it feels like it, they're going for that beat where she betrayed them, but then she really didn't. I don't really I don't remember how that happened in the book, but I don't remember it feeling that sloppy. But that whole that whole thread feels sloppy to me. Do I, I don't know if that really fits in, in effect or not, but no, I don't remember. Yeah, it does. It do you it goes with that. No, it's her friend. I thought in the book. Yeah, in in a book, it's her friend, and her friend actually did betray them, but then Kingsley like slips a little. Uh, uh, confund. What is it? What is the charm? That Confundus. It, no, not Oblivia. Oblivious charm. Obliviate. That makes her when she has to testify in front of um, the Minister of Magic. She doesn't actually reveal anything else, and then Dumbledore takes the blame for everything. That's how yeah. it happened in the book. Also, Kenzie's not better. a huge character in this movie. Which, I mean, I suppose he has to kind of... I found up, myself, I even in the books, wishing for more of Kingsley. Yeah. And there's yeah. almost nothing of him in the movies. Yeah, I agree. He's a really cool character. He has one great line in this, though, where he's like, he's like, Minister, you've got, <laughs> you've got to admit, Dumbledore's got style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's one good line that he gets um, here. But that's um, pretty much his most memorable part, probably, of the whole series, honestly. 
Um, uh, yeah, I mean, this is probably an 8 for effect. I mean, I like watching these movies. This is a fun movie to watch. I had a good time. I you, you laugh at stuff. You cringe at stuff. You hate Umbridge. Yep. You cry when Gary Oldman dies, or Sirius dies. That is one not thing. Not me, I didn't. No, I didn't actually cry. I'm just exaggerating. Um, not, not at this one. Uh, I was just mad at Harry for messing up. Yeah, right. Except it was all Dumbledore's fault. killed your godfather. That stuff at the... Well, the yeah, Dumbledore does take the blame for it. He says, Harry, this is my fault. Um, which it kind of is, but also Harry still made his own choice. But, yeah, and also if Harry would have not been such a dork when when Snape is giving him occlumency lessons. Snape was being kind of a jerk, though, too. And Snape yeah. stopped teaching him eventually. And Harry just needs to trust. Snape yeah, that whole thing with Snape more. just kind of like peters out, and that's kind of why all this happens eventually. Anyways, yeah. if Harry probably would have been a lot better at Occlumency if Dumbledore had taught him. Don't you think? And that's kind of maybe he certainly would have taken the lessons more seriously. And Dumbledore wouldn't have been a jerk. Yeah. Gosh. Gosh. Okay, my score for effect is 8 also, all right. and for all the same reasons that you, Gideon, said. Thanks, pal. Yeah. Copycat. False. Yeah, kind of, though. False. Not false. False. Um, alright. Scores we got for this will come up in a little bit. And you guys have any final thoughts on this? Final thoughts for, uh, uh, Order of the Phoenix. Um... I don't know. It was an overall good movie, for in my opinion. This is also really rewatchable to me. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that... Like, it's really fast. It has a really quick pace, and I think it's because they're cramming a whole lot into an hour. I really liked the scene in the, um, in the ministry where all the prophecies are crashing to the ground. It's <laughs> just like millions of these balls. <laughs> you like just that? shattering. Yeah. It's like a wave of... Glass. That's my wrap-up yeah. thought. That's yeah, my conclusion. the wave of glass. Well, I mean, th- you get a literal wave of glass when Voldemort... Ha! That gets turned into sand by Dumbledore. Exactly. Uh, overall score, we've got 113. Divided by... Nope. Times 2, or times... Times... Oh, you're right, it is divided by 2. 113 divided by... Oh, no, it's times two. Times two divided by three? Shoot, I keep hitting the divide button. Times two. This is why I need to use a spreadsheet. But I can't use a spreadsheet when we're using my laptop to record stuff. Oh, one other Sorry. one other concluder. 75. When Trelawney gets sacked by Umbridge, and then Dumbledore says, well, you can fire her, but you can't make her leave. That's my duty. Yeah. And then... Dumbledore leaves, but they never tell us whether Trelawney gets booted or not. We're, we're to assume, I think, that she still gets to live there. Well, she does get to live there. She just doesn't get to teach. But now who's right, teaching but divination? Wouldn't Umbridge have kicked her out? No, Dumbledore said no. Yeah, yeah but, but when Dumbledore's Dumbledore, gone, when, and yeah, now Umbridge, Umbridge is headmaster, headmaster. headmistress. Um, headmistress. That's true. Yeah. I don't even think they cover that in the book. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't remember. By that, by the time, by the time Umbridge actually becomes headmistress, there's a lot more other stuff going on though. So yeah, yeah. I just thought I just something I noticed. That's all. Yeah, when she's straight up gonna use the Cruciatus curse on students because <laughs> she ran out of the truth serum. Silly girl. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Uh, Horde of the Phoenix final score: seventy-five out of one hundred. That puts it above everything else, I think, except for uh, the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is sitting at a 92. Uh, I don't. Harry Potter 1, 69, Harry Potter 2, 8, 68. So, yes, the best of all of them except for Prisoner of Azkaban. So, let's move on to uh, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. So, Harry is doing his sixth year at Hogwarts now in the sixth movie. And he discovers an old booked marked property of the Half-Blood Prince. Uh, so he starts to learn also as an assignment from Dumbledore about the history of Lord Voldemort. 
or Voldemort, I think is actually the way it's technically pronounced. For real? Yeah. Not by Vol- the not by the actors in the movies. No, but like that's what I think J.K. Rowling said. That's actually how you're supposed to say Voldemort. It. Yeah. I think it's because no. I think I think if you are British, you tend to put even more of a British pronunciation on Voldemort? foreign type names. <laughs> that was and words bad. Sorry. Than Americans do even. Do it again. I want to laugh at you again. <laughs> no, that was really bad. That was like it's just one word. That's why you can't do it. If you have like a sentence, it'll sound better. I really hate Voldemort. Was yeah, that bad see, it too? It doesn't sound as good. You gotta take off the T. Oh, I really hate Voldemort. Yeah, sounds better. Yeah, so the more I watch the movies, the more I'm gonna put the T on the end. Yeah, that sounds so much better. You s- whatever. Um, first impression. How do we feel about this movie? Out of ten, general thoughts, etc. I really like this movie. This movie is awesome. This movie was very funny and very sad. Yeah. At the same time, it's this movie's on point. Like, seriously, I I, this might be better than Deathly House Part Two. I don't remember it being this good. I don't either, but I think it is this good. Yeah, it's solid. I'll say nine. Well, you just stole my score, buddy. I have I have extras. Would you like one? (laughs) I was about to say nine. Yeah, I'll take one. You'll take a nine? Yeah. Dude, hop on the train. This is not a, quite a nine for me. Um, <gasps> yeah, it's it might be an eight, though. Is it I, an upper I, level eight? No, I initially gave this a seven, actually. Um, right after I, you watched it? Yeah, I logged on Letterboxd as a seven. <gasps> and I was like, I, uh, this might be an eight, but I'm not really sure. Um, I think this probably is. It is so good. Uh, it's better than Order of the Phoenix. Um Compare. I don't. When we watch Deathly Hallows Part Two um, in our next episode, it might be better than that. I'll, no, I'll, we won't watch that. it in our next episode. Yeah, we'll watch it before watch our it. next okay. episode. Yes, thanks for criticizing. When me. we review it, but uh, it is so good. But I'm, I'm not. I think I have to give it an eight. I'm giving this an eight. I'll, I'm changing my letterbox score right now. Don't um, do it right now. I'm doing it right now. No, because then you'll. Sound weird when you're talking to the microphone while you're nope, changing the school. Nope, too late. I already changed it. Except, how do we know that you're on your phone? I, you... No, that's ruining the experience of our listeners. Nope, I just tapped my phone too late. <laughs> Stop criticizing me. Um, yeah. These are all our scores. Um, I think... So the, Dumbledore and Harry Potter... And Harry... This is obviously the movie where Dumbledore dies. Um... <laughs> But this is definitely, because of that, they're having a much more uh, intimate relationship here than they ever have had really before. Dumbledore is interacting with Harry a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more poignant scenes involving those two. Um, Which is also probably why we care more when Dumbledore, yeah, Dumbledore does Right, die. but also I just feel like I really like their dynamic, him and Harry, and a lot of times in these other movies and stories from the books... Uh, Dumbledore is pretty much coming in at the end and interacting with Harry there and kind of saying, Harry, here's what your adventure really meant, and here's the moral of the story now because I'm <laughs> Dumbledore and I'm smart. Um, and that's yeah, basically right. the way that goes. Yep. Uh, but here it really is... He is involved with Harry throughout the entire story, and then he dies and we kind of are left to really understand what's just happened for ourselves. So that's something really interesting that happens there and in a, a, a different story turn for this particular film but also really interesting here is like i said uh about order of the phoenix you've got uh harry being uh, foiled to, to malfoy rather than necessarily dumbledore i mean they are Dumb, uh, Ma- uh voldemort still is a, a foil for harry and when he's going back and looking through uh slughorn's memories about voldemort and kind of trying to learn more about voldemort's past uh, we do get a lot of that, those comparisons between Harry and Voldemort, um, especially when when Harry straight up spits the lines at Slughorn that Voldemort specifically said to Slughorn. Um, well, that was purposeful by Harry. Though. No, 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 it is, but it still is. Is I think a way that we see those two compare to each other and yeah. see how those how Slughorn interacts with them differently, um, and. There's just a lot of entertaining stuff in here. Like, the the, Fle- the Felix Felicis, the luck potion stuff, <laughs> yeah. is all hilarious. Um, and then really turns serious towards the end of, of that sequence. But also, even the, the when it's Harry pretends to use the use it earlier on Ron to get him to be 
uh, to play Quidditch really well. Um, again, the one Quidditch game that's in this. There's there's a little bit more Quidditch here because it's got the, the the Quidditch practice, and then also the Quidditch game. It wasn't that really Quidditch practice though. We just saw a couple people drawing hoops. Right, but it's still more Quidditch than we. It's more than just yeah. one game. It's yeah. still. Um, and then you get McClagan. That guy's. He's he's a he's a good example of like cringe, but in a good way. Which one? McClagan. Oh, the 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 other. Yeah, the guy who pukes yeah. on Snape's yeah. on Snape's feet. Um, yeah, and he's really he's he's a part. There's a lot of romance stuff in here, and I was initially like, why is this all in here? And it's I mean, it is really funny. A lot of it. Um, it's basically like teenage romance drama. Um, and I was not exactly sure why that's included in this story. I'm not sure how that necessarily relates to what's happening in the main plot of of the Horcruxes, Horcruxes and finding the Horcruxes and finding about about Voldemort's past. Um, and then I kind of realized like this is I think it's an intentional contrast with. Uh, love being uh, opposed to death and how love stands over death and stuff like that. Um, and I think those two dovetail nicely when you've got uh, Ginny and Harry going up to the room of requirement and Ginny hiding the 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 Half-Blood Prince's potions book from him. So it's that it's that 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 teenage romance plot line uh, directly affecting what's going on with. Uh, Draco and the Horcruxes and Voldemort and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, you've got the Unbreakable Val also, which is made as a result of, of Narcissa's love for Malfoy. Um, and that's also an interesting thing because Snape is kind of... Yeah, I, I, I really like Snape's role in this movie as well. And so it, it kind of tips Snape's hand as far as like... It's all. All this is intended to make Snape appear as uh, Voldemort's right hand man, and he's and he is unequivocally for Voldemort, and uh, has to be in Voldemort's eyes as someone who's not gonna betray him ever. And so to do that, uh, Dumbledore essentially has to sacrifice himself. He's. Ba it's basically like a queen sacrifice, is that Dumbledore dies so that. Snape can be seen as Voldemort's, uh, uh, and that's why he has to kill. He's able to kill Voldemort. I mean, uh, Snape is able Dumbledore. to kill Dumbledore because he makes the unbreakable bow at the beginning. Like, because otherwise it would have been like confusing as to why Snape steps in. Um, maybe for the other people, um, when he because he's protecting Draco. That's why he's able to do that. Uh, yeah, but we can't. Else. There's no way that we could really know this. At this point in the story, right? That what, no, still no, we don't. We don't. There's no clues. As, there's not necessarily clues as to. I mean, you, it's it's really all performance clues. It's no. It's no. It's no. But even even in the you book, have hard hard. We don't. We don't really. We're not really clued in to the fact that for sure he's on the good side. No, we're not. But yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, it's more, all. Think it's we've... nothing concrete. It's all uh, looks that that Alan Rickman is giving in his performance through Snape to Harry and to Dumbledore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the there's one conversation that Snape has with Dumbledore. Um, earlier um, in the movie, but you don't necessarily know what side he's on, but you do know um, retrospectively that th what's happening. So it's it's a kind of interesting thing about do you take this movie before Deathly Hallows or in retrospective after Deathly Hallows? I think no. it I think it becomes more interesting after you've seen Deathly Hallows. Actually, there's one other thing. There's the part where Dumbledore says to Harry, you have to do exactly what I say, no matter what, you have to trust me. Yeah. And so Harry has to watch as all this happens, yeah. knowing that Dumbledore actually is mm -hmm. doing, that it's happening how he wants it to happen. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, and you I don't think really that, totally know that, but you get that idea. That probably includes um, him being disarmed by Draco, but not killed by Draco. Right, and there's also that really interesting thing where Drake, where Dumbledore is is pleading to Draco, like, "Don't do this. this. Isn't who you are." And right there, he's not fighting for himself. He he doesn't care whether he dies or not. He knows he's going to die. He's pleading for Draco, which is really interesting because it shows this movie has the movie and Dumbledore both have this true empathy for Draco. Because at this point, Dumbledore knows he's going to die. It doesn't. What Draco's decision doesn't matter as far as what's going to happen for Dumbledore. Um, it matters as far as what's going to happen for Draco and his 
soul and, and who he is and like if he's gonna become a murderer and, and Dumbledore is basically saying like this isn't who you are this isn't who you have to be yeah. um, which I think is a really interesting thing and, I, and that whole dynamic of that last scene is, is really interesting it's a lot of it's nothing nothing in that last scene is said explicitly no one is is, is explaining what they're thinking and explaining how they're thinking it's, it's not said like well this is what Dumbledore wants and this is why he wants it no one says that out loud it's all uh, implied and assumed through performances, and I really love that a lot. So, I mean, we already did first impression. We're kind of basically into story at this point. Um, anyways, yeah, just naturally. Are. Um, so for story, oh, I, overall, this is this is solid. I think this is almost a nine for me. It's not it's not perfect, but because I think that stuff with the there are a couple points where the the teenage romance subplots maybe could uh, dovetail better with the with the ending of this, um, because a lot of that is just uh, again it's that second act problem, right? So you've got the first act and the third act, and then the second act they have to have these relationship things to to sort of be fire for the plot to keep moving forward, and that's basically what that serves as, um, and it works because it does make the second act very entertaining. And work and and work as far as uh, fleshing out who what their Hogwarts experience is, uh, but I don't I don't know if it dovetails into the third act as well as it possibly could. It does again, like I said, with the with the diary and stuff, and not the diary, the the potions book. It does do that. I'm just not sure if it's if it's as effective as it possibly could have been. But it still it still works on on so many levels, and it does. Uh, work as effectively as it has to so I'm getting in this a nine for story score uh what do you guys got well I have a question first what does like does Snape name himself half-blood prince and what does that mean he's of half-blood and he's a prince of potions, potions? he's of half-blood like his parents are one of his parents is immortal yeah. so he did name himself that and the, yeah. the name doesn't really mean anything I mean he named it himself because he's the half-blood Prince of Potions. But since you can't give yourself your own nickname, nobody else ever called him that. He just wrote that on his book. Yeah. Right. I just wasn't sure if there was some crazy message theme that went through that. that I, I mean, that's catch. explained further in the book as far as what, but at that point in the story, when you find out who he is and that he is the Half-Blood Prince, at that point, they don't really have time to go in and say, oh, this is why I'm the Half-Blood Prince, and this is what I did, and this is how this happened. Like, there's no really need for that to exist in this particular medium uh so we've got story scores from you guys yet to give what do you got for score i give it a nine well i guess i'll just have to follow suit and give it a nine also not because i'm following suit but because i want a nine thanks bud that's real helpful I know my um, explanations are very savvy. Dude, savviness is just necessary on this podcast, and you always bring that. <laughs> I know. So much. I know. Um, I, I do have one hot take on the story, which is that... Well, we'll see about that. Yeah. The, the book that Harry gets a hold of for the potions class is, is all notated by Snape, and that's why he ends up doing really well in the class, because he has all these ways to tweak the potions so it ends up that Hermione and Ron force Harry to get rid of the book and I and I think it like in if this were in real life shouldn't they have said Harry you need to actually keep using this book because you because this is actually helping you get a better, better grade so this book must actually have really good instructions in it stop it Jericho <laughs> <laughs> What is he doing? Jericho is trying to kill our couch. You're not a cat, dude. Jericho has no chill, ever. Yes, he does. He does usually have chill. This is, it's actually abnormal for him to not have chill. He's, just he's, try, he's, trying to, he's basically trying to be a cat. Kill our couch. Not cool, Jericho. Be a dog and sit on Kieran's lap like a normal okay. person. No, we're good. Um, yeah, let's just forget that ever happened. Who even let him down here in the first place? Not me. This is an official podcast recording station. <clears throat> I took his collar off. 
Yeah, that's a little bit better. Yeah, so I think that Ron and Hermione should have actually forced Harry to keep using the book. In fact, they should have started to use it as well. The book and was trying to get them to murder people with Sectum Sempra. That's not true. And Harry shouldn't just be using a spell like, oh, I found this spell and I'm just going to use it without even knowing what it does. Like, come on. I like, wonder. I think you would have learned that in like Wizarding 101. I mean, that's and then prob- third, thirdly, how come Snape didn't? How come Snape didn't actually update and write his own portions textbook that the school's using? That's if it's true. That good. Because he wanted to be himself. Because I don't know. Except, probably. oh, he just leaves this book in there, and I think the reason using it all these okay, years. No, yes, I wonder. Fine. No, yes, I wonder no, if Dumbledore the... put it there so that Harry could do well in that class, so that he would gain a better friendship with Slughorn. Oh, that's big brain stuff right there. That is, a kid. I know. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just yeah, too much of a genius. The only thing about that is that there was uh, there was no way that he could have guaranteed that Harry would end up with that book because... Magic. Duh. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, but the... Yeah, because Ron and Harry fight over it. Over what? That's also a good scene where they fight over the book and they like dis- like come into the cover and then they smack him with the book, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a good scene. And then Harry end up, ends up getting the better one, the better except one, it yeah. doesn't seem so. Yeah, that's some. That's that's also some big brain stuff. Not everything is what it appears big on the outside. Brain. Yeah. Um, that's true. How di- that is weird. How one of them was brand new and one of them's really old. Like it almost feels like it was put there on purpose. No, really. That's, well, those are the loner textbooks. So why is one of the loners super brand new? Yeah, why exactly. would a loner one? Yeah, the student with- left it last year. Forgot to take it home. Yeah, but for all we know, Snape's textbooks could have been different from the ones that Slughorn was using. Yeah, how... Because, how, like, Slughorn would have been using the same textbooks that when Snape was in school, but Snape might have switched to a different textbook. It was just a different edition of the same book, though. Sure, whatever. This is all innocuous. Um, let's move on. Our acting scores. Acting. Acting, A- acting. Acting! Who says that? Um, you did is that just Michael? now. Michael Scott. Michael Scott, probably. Sounds Acting. Like yeah. Is it Andy? Maybe it's Andy. It oh, no, no, no. It's, it, it, is, it is Michael, because it's when he's talking to, to Holly, and they're, like, doing that, oh, and he's yeah. like, Acting! <laughs> Acting! <laughs> um, act, okay, so that's what, you, you know what I should do? Because I should pull that clip and then use it as, like, a category break. Oh, yes. Yeah. I like that. In this movie, you get a little bit more of Snape. Ooh, which is yeah. good. You get a little bit more of Draco, which is not so good. You get no, no, no. It's great. Everything with, I think everything with Draco is awesome here. Honestly, I yeah, I think I like think this so. movie has you t- turns a very think... empathetic eye towards Draco, whereas previously it's been kind of like Harry has, has suspected him and had been wrong about it. Whereas here he suspects him and he is correct, but at the same time the movie is is uh, having a lot of empathy towards Draco and and what he has to do here and and how he fits into this whole. Uh, unfolding plot with Voldemort. Agreed. However, Draco's sta- uh, screen presence is always awkward. No, he's not plays the usually. No, I really usually well. usually it and is I here. Like I thought it. it's. I think it's solid here. I think he's good here. I think this is, I, and I, maybe it's partially just the story, but I think he's the best here that he's ever been. Oh, well, he probably is the best he's ever been, but that's not saying much. Yeah, sure, fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll bite, but uh, 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 you get less. I you get like less crab and yeah. goyle. Yeah, it is less crab and goyle, which is I you don't, don't get. You don't get uh, crumb. Yeah, <gasps> 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 crumb is such a. I don't. Crumb is not an interesting character to me. At least, yeah, but he has the best movie. fist bumps of anybody of all time. <laughs> Why do you guys keep bring up the stupid no, fist bumps? No, Harry does, cares the, about Harry the, fist does bumps. the fist bump too in the first movie. When does he, he, yeah, when he when he brings back any no, not the way that no, I <laughs> but he still does. Crumb, still I've crazy. never seen the fist pump that Crumb does ever before. It's like that right angle with his elbow. It's so stupid. Right, you guys and then he keep stops bringing it, it up. But it's so annoying. <laughs> I, I got stop. I know, I gotta, stop it. I've been using your haircut it ever makes since it look then. even worse. I do not have a haircut. He does have a haircut. Nobody he makes him look it. like nope. Crumb. And now he's doing the thing, the pump, and his. You're built like Crumb too, Kieran. Except I don't walk funny. Yeah, well, that's debatable. Uh, Dumbledore is really good here. Obviously, we get more of him. Snape is really good, but obviously we're also getting... Again, Snape, a lot of the stuff he's doing here is less obvious than it has been before, uh, which is also interesting. 
uh, adds another dimension to his character that Alan Rickman is sort of able to play with as far as uh, being more subtle with his acting choices. Uh, and Harry and Ron and Hermione are basically all the same as they've been the entire time. So I think this is probably like an eight for acting for me. Yep, eight for me. You said not. Did you say eight? I said eight. Um, eight, eight, nine, nine, eight, seven. I think that I will give this movie a nine. Nine for nine. acting. For acting. Yeah. Why? Because I like. Explain yourself. What'd you give it? Did did you say? I said eight. Oh. Are you deaf, dude? I got. I, I've got headphones on. No, just daft. Yeah, just daft. <laughs> okay. Def, um, I'm deaf and daft. I give it a nine because I like all the performances that you guys mentioned, maybe more than you guys did, maybe not, but also all the love stuff with Harry and um, Ginny and Ron and Hermione. I like those performances also. Yeah, like Luna too. And and, oh, yeah, and Luna. Luna also, yeah. And McClagan and uh, who else? Those twins that popped up for, like, they were just in the background, but they kind of creeped me out. Like, the shiny twins. They looked like the shiny twins, but they were dressed in a different color. Oh, yeah. They don't, they, don't, they don't ever say anything, but they just kind of pop up that in the background weird. at Slughorn's party. Slughorn, again. His performance is not perfect, um, but it is interesting. Really? I like Slughorn's No, it's, it's good. It's, it is really good. Um, and he's... Being kind of the ambitious, bombastic, uh, over-the-top character that he is in the books. Uh, so there's there's that. There's just another added thing about him. Uh, on to Look and Feel. What do you guys got? Look and Feel 9 for me. I, I just feel like, I, and I can't really even put my finger on it. Maybe it's just uh, some of the opening shots in the movie or just some of the framing that they do. But I, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe it's the sets. But something about it uh, just gives it. A, it's it's uh, it's on a, a next level of immersion or realism. Okay, so the cinematography here is it's better than it ever has been uh, in the series, except for maybe Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, there's this. There's just a lot of really interesting shots. A lot of um, one motif that runs throughout this is. Uh, stuff passing in and in front of the camera between the subject like at the beginning you see Dumbledore on the other side of the station and then the train passes in front of him uh and I don't know if he appears after the train passes but then you see that again that exact same thing happen again when you're on the astronomy tower and Harry and Snape are moving and then the the astronomy stuff is moving um passing over uh over top of him like that um and again that probably has is related uh intertextually with the the vanishing cabinet and that that passing back and forth between Borgen and Burks um and then you've got just some really interesting compositions here like uh, the the series has never paid this close attention to to good composition I don't think before um and it's really solid here like there's this one shot where the camera is tilted up at in the Weasley's in the Weasley's house and uh, Mrs. Weasley pops her head out, and then Ron pops his head out in one in the other side of the frame, and then Hermione pops her head out, and then in the other side of the frame again. And so they each get gradually smaller, and then but the thing they hold this this shot the entire time, and they don't and they don't cut to close ups of any of them, and it's and it shows very uh, it's dedication to the understanding of of a overall feel for the movie. They ha- it feels like there's a vision behind that, that behind behind that shot. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of great wide shots here. Also, I feel like a lot of a lot of these types of movies, uh, maybe Order of the Phoenix included, uh, use too many close-ups. They sh- feels like they shoot everything in close-up and and don't have uh, the the confidence to go to a wide shot and use that when people are talking. Uh, but like the shot of Hagrid and Slughorn and Harry in front of the spider. It's a fantastic composition because you've got that big spider and then you've got them on top of the hill and the hill sits nicely on the lower third and it just looks really great. Um, or you got something like 
the when Snape and Harry finally confront each other at the very end and they're hitting on that third and then you got Hogwarts in the distance and then Harry's on the top and Snape's on the bottom but Snape's dominating Harry in this moment uh, that's a really interesting composition there uh, or when everyone's raising their wands up to the sky to defeat the to blot out the dark mark with the with the light is a also I mean there's just a lot of a much much more interesting compositions happening here than than I've seen in in previous in previous films and I think part of that is I uh, I've forgotten some of some of these things. So we watched this a little bit longer ago than I would have liked, but uh, just overall, this is a much better uh, crafted movie. It feels like. Yeah. And the visual effects. There's not. There's actually not much stuff happening here as far as uh, over the top magic stuff. There's no grop happening here. There's no uh, dragons. There's no mer people in this movie a lot of it's very downer like the the plant stuff with professor sprout or the the and when they're he's going when slughorn's going into the greenhouse and trying well, to i mean there is a there. spider there's a spider but i think that's real i'm pretty sure that look it looks real i don't know if it is or not it looks like practical. where's the spider outside aragog when uh Hagrid's pet spider Aragog after oh, Aragog dies. You don't mean it's a real spider, you just mean it's a physical object. Yeah, yeah. sorry, yes. <laughs> um rather than a uh, uh computer graphics creation. Right. I would agree. I think uh, I think that's correct. Um the It's also kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he pulls the mandible off the spider and he's yeah. like, "Whoops. Whoops." and drops it on the floor. Um but the the Quidditch here looks better than it ever has before. Um, I don't know if that's just because the green yeah, screen the green screen got better. better. That's just, I think I feel like that's just more like the computer power being better rather than actual innovation of yeah, visual might effects. Be, but it still does. It still does look use better. It better too. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie also. This is one thing that that I didn't touch on earlier, but the the inferi look great. They, I don't know. That's probably the weakest part of the movie, honestly. Actually, <laughs> but the they do what? the inferi. The the they're called inferi. They're like the dead people that are reanimated in the when they're looking for the Horcrux at the end when they oh. come out of the lake. Yeah, I, it was fine. I don't know. It's kind of in a dark cave. It's hard to see them anyway. Yeah, but they fit into this really interesting pattern that this movie is basically obsessed with death. Like at the beginning, Slughorn has them create a essence of death potion and then the inferi are a part of that mm. uh, the horcruxes where where tom riddle is yep. horcruxes are a way to escape death but to attain a horcrux you have to commit murder uh draco has this whole plan to kill dumbledore and that's the thread that's running throughout the entire movie aragog's death uh like we were just talking about uh, the spider dying which leads to them actually having a conversation about lily's death through a metaphor of a fish that lily gave slughorn so it's just a lot of this 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 these bits and pieces of death that are injected hmm. into this into the movie's fabric, but then that's contrasted obviously throughout this these uh, loving acts that are in this relationship stuff that are happening throughout the rest of the movie, and and then there's also the real loving relation between Dumbledore and Harry that is developed and then uh, broken at the end when Dumbledore dies. Or not, I don't know, broken is the right word, but uh, Dumbledore dies, which kind of obviously ends that um but look and feel this is this is on point this is one of the best looking ones i feel like this is up there with prisoner basket band as far as uh cinematography and visual effects goes and how those two things uh complement each other so i'm giving this a nine for look yeah. and feel uh i think i'm also at a nine uh probably would have been in a nine also but your explanation of all of those and just Yes, so that solidifies my answer for that one. Sounds good. And I'm, I think I said it before, but nine for me. Cool. So, on to effect for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. I think that, well, I'm not... I was laughing the entire time yeah. during this. Like, this movie was funny. I think we all were, but... Um, yeah, it was very funny, but also sad, like, especially, like, more than Dumbledore dying, even, like, when Harry's forced to uh, feed Dumbledore the potion that's making him suffer, I thought that that yeah, was... Yeah, that's some intense stuff. That was good. Um, 
and you mentioned before earlier Draco also. Um, so for effect, I'll give it a nine. Yeah, pretty above average. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say a nine on this one as well. I thought there was definitely some good humor in here. Uh, for example, when they're they're having all these dinner parties with Slughorn, it, it's a it fits really well with Slughorn's character and kind of gives you some interesting moments, like when <clears throat> they're having dessert and it's just just this huge pile of ice cream, like more like more ice cream than any one person or two people could even eat. Yeah, in front it's of nasty. Them. Yeah. <laughs> and then the one kid is just like the one kid who is. Uh, related to somebody that Slughorn used to have in the Slug Club, which is the only reason why he's there, and he's just chowing down on ice cream, and Slughorn's trying to, like, convince himself that this kid is just not a complete screw-up. Yeah. Actually, that does point out that the other thing that I noticed was even in their great hall meals, like, the the amount of food, especially desserts, that is placed in front of those children is off the charts. Yeah, they should all be fat. Like, everybody there is, like, kind of skinny, and they should all be fat with... Like, there's no rules as to how much you can eat. They should be fat. You should be fat. Well, you know, I'll work out. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. Um, Yeah, effect for me, this is probably a nine, I think. Um, I'm just trying to think, you compare this to other movies... And it's it is very effective as far as both being a piece of entertainment, um, a piece of uh, emotional work, and then also uh, as an artistic intellectual work. I think it all it accomplishes all of those things very well. I think this is probably is a nine actually. I was gonna I was leaning towards eight, but I think um, nine actually is probably more accurate. It's it's definitely not towards ten. This is teetering between eight and nine for me. Um, but yeah, so that gives us an overall score of 82 out of 100 so again still 10 points below prisoner of azkaban actually uh but seven points ahead of order the phoenix so second place in our overall harry potter rankings very good interesting makes sense but interesting yeah i mean i'm interested to see where we'll get with uh you know the deathly hallows uh films and where those will rack up to here but you never know. But I suppose that'll do it for this bonus episode of Script to Screen. Thanks for listening. If you want to listen to... Well, shoot, I always do this. If you wanted to listen to the live show, you would go to 90.3 WRSTF and Moshkosh from 7 on Saturdays. But the station is currently closed down as a result of the coronavirus quarantine slash self-isolation. So this week we do not have a live show, but next week we will come up with part four in our four-part series on harry potter quarantine watch so tune in and we will see you then